When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, NFL fans, and welcome back to a very special off-season edition of the NFL Whip Around. The off-season doesn't last long in the NFL, but we're not stopping this show. A programming note, if you were looking for the fans for a football show, that goes on hiatus. It'll be back the next season, but the NFL Whip Around with myself, Jeff Hartman, and Coach KT Smith will continue. Coach, how's it going? Going great. Ready to launch into the off-season. The NFL never sleeps. No, it does not. And when you think about the actual calendar, like there's only two months really where they don't have anything going on. We're in one of those months right now until March 13th when the new league year, which is only a couple weeks away. And then there's that lull right after the OTAs and all that stuff that goes on and mini camps and then until training camp starts. So we're in one of those lulls right now. Uh, Let's talk about this, though. With the NFL season now officially behind us, we talked about the Super Bowl last week, and everyone's been talking about it for sure. If you could recap it into one sentence, what would it be? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote one of my favorite bands. I'm gonna this is gonna predate you, Jeff. Right? Okay. I, I can't imagine you're a Led Zeppelin fan. Love but, Led Zeppelin. Oh, you do? I was, love Led Zeppelin. Okay, oh, great. I love Led Zeppelin. Not so much uh, their later work, but their early stuff for sure. All right, then you'll appreciate this. So my my recap is is this: the song remains the same. Yeah. The song remains the same because as much as the NFL is trying to create parity and create uh, interest among all 32 fan bases, and they've done a great job of that. I mean, there were there were uh, the vast majority of the teams this year were competitive right up to the end, and that's definitely what the NFL wants. But at the end of the day, the powers that be are still in charge. The king is still the king. The Chiefs win it now for the third time in five years. Uh, the, the best teams last year remained the best teams this year. I mean, there was a nice story with the Lions emerging, but for the most part, you know, we're rattling off the usual suspects, right? It was the Niners and the Chiefs and the Bills and the Ravens and the Eagles. I mean, that that power structure has not changed, and I don't know if it's going to change next year either. I mean, right now, I think the NFL has a bunch of mediocre teams and then a separation at the top. I like that quote. I like those lyrics for sure. I think you're spot on. My sentence would be the NFL always wins. It always wins. And so when you think about this season, so you think about from the start to finish, the NFL went up against everything and they continue to just dominate. And not only that, it's the way they win. So they went up against the NBA on Christmas Day, squashed them like a bug. I don't They don't care. They go up against college football. Same thing. They go up against all these sports. It doesn't matter. It is the machine that continues to tick. But when you think about how they build it, you mentioned parity. 
Yeah, they want every single week to mean something to the vast majority of the teams in the league. And that is still true, even for the majority of the season. But then you have these little blips on the radar. These little things that happen that the NFL is like, we are going to run with this. And they run with it like no one else does. And what is the epitome of that? The Taylor Swift angle, right? I don't think the NFL went into the season hoping that some pop superstar dated a, a player on a team. But when they saw it, they saw, oh, the door just opened. So what do we do? Let's run with it. Let's get as many eyeballs on our product as possible. They're going overseas. They're starting to tackle the international game and the international waters. The NFL always wins. It is the most popular sport in America, but outside of America, that's that's the next goal for them. That's where they're trying to get to. And that's why a lot of fans are kind of like, why are they wanting to play in Brazil? Why are they wanting to play in Spain and Germany? And uh, obviously in London, they've done that in the UK before, but it's because they are not as popular over there. But the NFL is a machine that always wins. They always win. You probably saw the, the statistic, the Super Bowl was the most watched television program in the history of television. There's That's never right. been an event that got more eyeballs than that one. And you can't discount the impact Taylor Swift had on that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there were lots of lots of people who never would have watched the NFL if it weren't for their connection to her. Uh, and and obviously, they, you know, they do a brilliant job marketing it. I mean, my gosh, Usher must have brought in a half a dozen, you know, guests that people would have recognized yep. and been excited about. And it really is, it, uh, uh, it's an all encompassing entity right now that, that, right. that epitomizes American culture. I don't fault the NFL. Like everyone's like, Oh, that, that, I hate this Taylor Swift angle. I don't fault them. If 100% of her fan base was involved in this season and only 25% stays and the other 75% leave and don't come back, that's still 25% that are now glued into the National Football League. Maybe they're fans of the Chiefs. Maybe they're just fans of Travis Kelsey. It doesn't matter if they're watching the product, the NFL wins. And what did I say? The NFL always wins. And so it's interesting how they get they get by on the, the horrible officiating that we talked about all season. They get by with these questionable decisions that are made, the horrible coaching, horrible quarterback play from time to time that we've seen. It doesn't matter. The machine just keeps moving, and that is the National Football League. Here, one one quick anecdote about that. My, that? my supervisor, where where I teach for years, was a woman named Barb Daniel, who's British. Right, grew up in England, lived in England much of her life. Came over to America uh, when she got married in her thirties. Taught at, at the high school where I teach for years, and and the running joke was always like football versus soccer. You know, her her thing was right. always like you know soccer's the real football. And she had never watched an American football game in her life. And she used to joke about, oh, it's a bunch of Neanderthals and yada, yada. So she's retired now. Her daughter, huge Taylor Swift fan, gets Barb watching the NFL this year through Taylor Swift. Barb is now so hooked on the NFL. She's tech, she's watching. Did you ever see the, the Hulu? I think it's on Hulu. It's on one of the streaming services that the, the, the special called the quarterback, the documentary, the quarterback. Yeah. It's Netflix. Netflix. She's yeah. watching. It's Netflix. All right. She's watching the quarterback and texting me about it. You know, like, did you, <laughs> did you, did you see the latest episode of the quarterback? And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, man. So, and, and yeah. there are countless examples of Barb. Yeah, and when you see like the how that the entry level into the sport, however it comes, maybe it's with a Taylor Swift or, or a, a family member. Some people, it's the fantasy football gambling angle, and you know that's something that's talked about a lot. And the NFL used to sh shy away from it; now they embrace it. The NFL knows what they're doing in terms of making money 
getting people into the product, into the system. And once you get in, it's tough as hell to get out. We'll put it that way. So that's a good story there. Let's let's continue with the season looking back, reflecting on the season. What's one thing you'd like to see the NFL change in 2024? There's a lot of areas we could go down. Which rabbit hole are we going down, Coach? Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I know where you're going to go, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll be brief. I know where you're going. Um, I, I just I think we've gotten to a point now where it's it's impossible to play defense against quarterbacks. You can't hit them in the pocket. I mean, you can't hit them low. You can't hit them high. You can't land on them when you sack them. Uh, and I get that. I get that that protection because at that point the quarterback is 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 kind of a defenseless player because they're not trying to protect themselves. So I'm okay with all those quarterback protections in the pocket. But it's increasingly problematic that quarterbacks get protections as well once they leave the pocket and become a runner. At that point, they're a football player. And all of this stuff about the slide and and what how to hit them when they slide and those types of things. It makes it almost impossible on a defender. So I would really like to see, no, never going to do it. They're never going to do it. But I would really like to see the NFL take away those protections on a quarterback once they leave the pocket and become a runner because now they're a football player. Now they're in a mode where they can protect themselves. They don't need those protections. And it's compromising the integrity of the game because defenders have no idea how to try to, to, to play them. I mean, Josh Allen is six foot five and 245 pounds when he's running the ball in the open field, he does not need protection. No. And so what you said in terms of how the, the, the rules are set up and, and things, you know, where I'm going, I'm, yes. I'm going with officiating, yes. but I'm not going to start this rant. I think there's an answer that's going to help a lot of the issues that we have, including what you talked about. I think that, there is a solution that is reasonable. And I think the solution is very attainable that could happen in 2024. Give me an official that is in the booth watching the game and has the power to buzz down and say, we need to look at this for whatever reason. So maybe it is, you can call it the eye in the sky official, whatever you want to call it. I really don't give a crap what you call it. But in this case, you would be able to say, when you have announcers, broadcasters that are watching a play saying, wow, that looks like a bad spot, Jim. Then someone has to buzz down and say, we need to look at this spot. Like, get it right. Because the one thing I don't like is I just cannot stand when there's a constant questioning of the outcome. There's a constant question of why didn't they stop this play? Why was the spot bad? Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Give me someone that's in the booth watching the game from the all 22 angle, or maybe even just watching the telecast and have the ability to buzz down and say, I think we might have missed this. Now, I don't want offensive holdings and pass interferences. You start challenging everything, and the games are going to take six hours, and it's going to be, I don't like that. But I think there are aspects of the game that could be improved upon, whether it is, you know, I think the coach's challenge is okay, and it should stay there, and I'm not saying that you take that away. I just wish there was something that they could do to help get more of these calls right. Even if it's a picking up the flag situation, I'd be okay with that. So you say like roughing the passer. I think all personal fouls, maybe they go down that way. All personal fouls are going to be reviewable by that official, that eye in the sky. Yeah, that's a really bad hit to the head. Think about Patrick Mahomes against the Ravens where he had two roughing the passer calls against him. They were both worthy of those penalties, but we've all seen those plays uh, where I'll never forget Peyton Manning at the end of his career was playing a game in Denver I want to say it was against maybe the Colts, actually. Pass rusher was going behind him and put his arm out, thinking he might catch the ball, and he touched the back of his helmet. 
and he got a flag for roughing the passer. Like that's one that gets picked up. Like you, what are we doing here? So you may disagree as a coach and you might say it's a horrible idea, but that was the first thing that came to mind. Well, I think the NFL has to recognize that there's a problem with the officiating. Yeah. That's gotta be the first step. Cause they don't, they don't seem to recognize that, or at least not publicly. They haven't, they have, right. they're very quick to circle the wagons and protect themselves in that regard. And so I, I'm hundred percent with you on what you're suggesting. It's going to, it's going to take the league basically though, to say we need to do this. And they haven't yeah. been willing to do that just yet. They, they need help. I, I, that's what I feel like where we are. The game is so fast. These athletes are so big and so strong that sometimes you need to say, we need to help the guys. We need to help that crew out. So let's get them another set of eyes. That's not a field level. That's above that can look at things and say, Hey, we might've missed this, or maybe that's a bad call. You might be opening Pandora's box. That's my only hesitation. And that's again, like you, you brought up the running quarterback thing. Well, how are they going to distinguish between like, okay. So they leave the pocket. Now they're fair game. So even if Lamar Jackson stops, squares his shoulders to throw down field, I can hit him wherever I want as hard as I want. That's that gray area. So in your rules that you brought up, would that be an illegal hit or is that still illegal? So in other words, he escapes the pocket. He's on the edge, stops, throws. Is he a runner? Or is he a thrower? Does he have the protections or not? I would say once he's across the line of scrimmage and can't throw the ball. So if he's still behind the line of scrimmage, has the possibility. Yeah, sure. Which, you know, and now maybe you, every once in a while you get the scenario <laughs> where the quarterback's like dancing around right at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, but those are the outliers, right? They do that crap all the time. I mean, you see Lamar Jackson, he'll be scrambling on the sideline. And he's tiptoeing the sideline. I'm like, pop him, hit him, but you can't because you're going to get flagged. Lam yeah. uh, pa Patrick Mahomes does it too. And he's not nearly the type of runner that Lamar Jackson is. I could talk about this stuff all day. Now let's move on. There are five big name quarterbacks up for potential extensions this offseason. Dak Prescott of the Cowboys, Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tua down in Miami, Jared Goff in Detroit, and Jordan Love in Green Bay. Of those five, who deserves the top shelf deal? Meaning, who would you pay the most money? Uh, I'd pay Jordan Love. I'd pay Jordan Love. I think really? all, all those other guys are, to me, uh, they're they're flawed in a way that, that would make me nervous about giving them $280 million or whatever the heck it's going to take. You know, Dak Prescott has just over and over again not been able to produce in, in the postseason. Tua gets hurt a lot. Uh, Jared Goff is a nice player, but but not an elite player. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I don't know, it just feels like there's something off with Trevor Lawrence in, in, in Jacksonville. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. It just it doesn't feel like he's playing consistently great football. Uh but what I saw from Jordan Love this past year, I just thought was so impressive. His progress and his growth. When when Green Bay play, played the Steelers midseason, I thought he looked ordinary. He did some great things. He threw some bad interceptions. He looked like a young guy still trying to figure some things out. By the time he got to the postseason, I mean, he, he looked like uh, an elite NFL quarterback. His composure and just, a, I mean, the way he ran that offense, he just seems like a perfect fit for that system and I think in with quarterbacks that's that's so much of the battle do you have not just the right guy but do you have the do you have the right guy for your system and I think the Matt LaFleur Jordan Love marriage is an excellent one and I would pay him that's interesting that you said that because honestly he hasn't done it for even an entire season he looked like that at the end of this season going into the postseason when the Packers beat the Cowboys certainly looked legit and elite 
but we didn't do it all year. Maybe that was him just getting acclimated. We don't know. I, I have to think it's Dak Prescott, is it not? And, and let's let's talk this out. I, I'm not a Cowboys fan by any stretch of the imagination. You can see the terrible towel behind me for crying out loud. But still, with Dak Prescott, let's just go down the road that they don't choose to give him that big money deal, or they might lowball him. Well, then what happens? Dak's pissed. He's he's not sure what he's going to do. And what do you do then? Trey Lance. That's your backup. Is it someone else that I'm not aware of down in Dallas? They're certainly not going to be in a position to draft their next quarterback. He has them cornered, in my opinion. He has them right where he wants them. So if I'm predicting who I think gets the big deal, it might be Jordan Love is more deserving, but Dak Prescott is the odds-on favorite to get that big deal. Do you agree or disagree? Agree. He will He will get it. He will yeah. get it. For all, You're right about all those reasons that you stated. I, I guess what I'm saying is if I had my choice of those five, I would take Jordan Love. Where do you stand on Tua? I know you said he get in, he does get injured. He has an injury history. I think he stayed healthy this year for the most part, but he seems to kind of, well, he doesn't seem to play well in the cold weather in terms of the games late in the season, but he's also performed well and he has a great surrounding cast. What's your take on him just in general? I'm curious. Uh, I love him for what they're doing in Miami. I don't know if what they're doing in Miami with Tua can win a Super Bowl for for that reason alone. You, I, I would have if if I had more courage as a better, <laughs> I would have laid a lot of money on the Chiefs in, in that playoff game as soon as you saw that weather report. Miami, I think to to get to the Super Bowl, they're going to need to either become the top seed in the AFC and get that home field advantage, or they're going to have to get some sort of combination of road games in in nice climates. Uh, where they can play the way they want to play because the way they want to play that horizontally based game just doesn't hold up that well in the cold weather. And I think two is a great quarterback for that system. Um, I just question whether that system can succeed in January. Let's stick with this for a few more seconds. Cause I'm curious, do you think all the, f- the five big name quarterbacks we named, do you think they'll all get, some type of big time contract extension, or do you think any of these guys are going to be left wondering where is my future? Cause it's not going to be here. I don't believe any of those teams, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe any of those teams have a viable backup. You know, have a guy sort of ready to take their spot or, or even have probably a contingency plan. No. It feels like all five of those teams are pretty settled. Hey, this is our guy. Right. So, so I would suggest I would I would suspect that they're all going to get extended. Now, yeah, now maybe I, yeah. maybe golf's will be shorter. You know, maybe 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 if if Green Bay loves I mean, really loves Jordan Love, he'll get the the longest deal. I don't know. It all depends on how they work that out. But right, it's it's interesting. It's really interesting. It's something to keep an eye on this off season as uh, we get ready for the new league year starting up here in a couple of weeks. Let's go to the next topic. Quarterback talk continues, and two teams that really are in some unique situations. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they have one quarterback currently on their roster after they released Mitch Trubisky. Mason Rudolph is a free agent and leaves them with just Kenny Pickett. And the Chicago Bears, who still have Justin Fields under contract. He's approaching a potential fifth-year option on his deal, his rookie contract. But they have the first overall pick in the draft. They have their pick of all the quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Heck, some might even say that Jaden Daniels could be the top overall pick. It doesn't matter. What do you think? Let's start with Pittsburgh, and we'll talk about that quarterback situation. And what do you think they should do? And then we'll go to Chicago. So what do you think the Steelers have to do? The Steelers have said publicly since the season ended that Kenny Pickett will 
enter camp next year as the starter, but with competition. And the question for the Steelers is what do they mean by competition? Does competition mean we're going to bring back Mason Rudolph and this is going to be a legitimate, like Kenny's going to get the first team reps, but Mason's going to get equal reps and and whoever plays better is going to be our starter. Or does this mean he's going to get a, a, a veteran backup who, who uh, could potentially push him a Ryan Tannehill type quarterback in, uh, and, and, and make sure that he doesn't get too comfortable but really, man, we're, we're going to try to set the stage for Kenny to succeed so he can become the starter. And if it doesn't work out, we'll have a, a reasonable backup as our contingency plan. I don't know what they mean by competition. I believe personally, in order for Pickett to succeed in Pittsburgh, they have to let Mason Rudolph go. I don't think they can have Mason Rudolph lurking over Kenny Pickett's shoulder and, and the moment Kenny Pickett, you know, short hops a throw to, to Deontay Johnson in the, in the season opener, 60,000 fans at Akershore Stadium start chanting Mason Rudolph. You know, like, I think that's a terrible recipe for the Steelers. And so if I'm Pittsburgh and I'm committed to Pickett, I'm going to move on from Rudolph and bring in a veteran behind Pickett. Okay, so let's go down this path that you've, you've now set us on. Is there any quarterback that the Steelers can bring in where the fan base won't be chanting his name if Pickett struggles? For instance, let's talk Ryan Tannehill. Everyone's talked about Tannehill. You've written about him for SteelCurtainNetwork.com. He has connections to Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator. Obviously, his time in Tennessee. If they sign Ryan Tannehill and let Mason Rudolph walk, do you not think that there's people at Akershire Stadium that won't be yelling, like, Tannehill, Tannehill? I, I can see that happening too, right? Yeah, I can too, but I don't. Th- but I think that Rudolph won over the yeah, fan yeah. base in a way that will make it difficult on on Pickett. I mean, it's not a it's a good problem to have when you've got like two viable starters. But but if you're going to commit to one of those guys, then I think you have to commit. You know, like sometimes they say, uh, you know, if you have if you have two of one thing, then you don't really have one of any right. of it. You know, so I it's think they're in, I think they're in a tough spot with that. I really do. They're in a lose-lose situation is what they're in. I mean, when you think about it, you spent a first-round draft pick in 2022 on Kenny Pickett, 20th overall draft pick. So you think he's the guy. Everyone thought he was the guy. He has that pristine preseason last year. Everything goes well. There's not a bump in the road. And then all hell breaks loose once week one and the San Francisco 49ers come to town. It never looks smooth, never looks good. And then Mason Rudolph finishes the season when Kenny Pickett's healthy, and he looks pretty darn good in doing it. I think they have to try their best to bring back Mason Rudolph. And I think they have to have an honest to God competition to see who's going to start in 2024. And I don't think that they can stop there either because you, the Steelers typically like to carry four quarterbacks in a training camp. Pickett is only one, the only one on the roster. So let's say they bring back Mason Rudolph. They're going to have to bring in another veteran as well. I'd bring in someone like Joshua Dobbs. Give me Joshua Dobbs as QB three. And then maybe they draft someone like, I don't know, a Sam Hartman out of Notre Dame in the sixth or seventh round. And that rounds out your quarterback depth chart, but they have issues at the most important position in, in professional sports. And that's a problem. That is a big time problem. Do, they sure do. Do you think, and you kind of mentioned this when you started talking about the Steelers, do you think that the Steelers will actually give Mason Rudolph a fair shake if they bring him back and say it's a competition or is that just all propaganda, so to speak? And they're literally just going to trot him out there and then say that Kenny Pickett won it. Um, it, You know, it's so hard to have a, a true competition 
at the NFL level, because that means splitting practice reps. And, and there's so much uh, preparation necessary that you need to give the starter the overwhelming yeah. majority of the reps. How long the Steelers, uh, if they were to have a true competition, how long that goes is, is going to be a, a crucial issue because the longer it goes, the more detrimental it's going to be to whomever's named the starter. And so right. I think the Steelers would, in, their, in, in a perfect world, they want Kenny Pickett to go into camp. Hey, you're the one, but we got somebody pushing you right there as the 1A, but Pickett looks great. And they, and they don't have any reason to really take the ball away from him. I think right. now if they bring back Rudolph, can they do that? Or Because to me, if they bring back Rudolph, it feels like it's a 50-50 competition. Yeah. And I just don't know if that's what they want. The best case scenario for Steeler fans out there that might be listening, the best case, I don't care what you think about him, your pit bias or Penn State, don't care. The best case scenario is that Kenny Pickett is the quarterback and he proves to be the quarterback. And we all can say, okay, Last year, maybe it was Matt Canada, whatever. He's the guy. They have the guy, and they can move on with the guy. But unfortunately, there's a lot of questions surrounding it. But let's go to Chicago. We could talk all day about the Steelers. Let's go to Chicago. They have Justin Fields. They have to make a decision on the fifth-year option, and then they also possess that number one overall pick, like we mentioned. What do you think the Bears are going to do? So before we came on, I, I just read an article on, uh, that was in The Athletic today about they're, they're doing like their mock draft for the Bears, and they've got the Bears trading fields to the Steelers. So <laughs> that would, <laughs> that, and then taking Caleb Williams. Um, and, you know, I mean, that, that would just really complicate the situation. Um, I think, I think it comes down to this. Do, do the Bears believe that their new offensive co coordinator, Shane Waldron, who was the OC in Seattle for the last three years and did a really nice job, uh, you know, kind of revitalizing Geno Smith's career? His passing offense, he was there for three years. Seattle's passing offense was, was top 10 in the NFL in pretty much all the metrics each one of those of those years. So he's he's widely regarded as a, a really good pass game coordinator. Do they believe he can get Justin Fields to where, you know, obviously they, they hope he can be? I mean, you look at the two big things that have that have uh, kind of dogged Justin Fields the last couple of years, the turnovers and taking too many sacks. Those are fixable. Those are things that you can, uh, as a coordinator, scheme up. In, in, and like and you look at what the Houston Texans did this year with, with C.J. Stroud. One of the smartest things they did is they said, the number one thing we're going to do for this guy is we're going to protect him and, and we're going to structure our passing game in a way that minimizes risk. And, and obviously then Stroud ran with it, right? And then they could open things up from there. Uh, Luke Getze, when he was the OC in Chicago, he was like the opposite, man. He, he didn't – he had five five receivers uh, routes that were developing deep down the field, having fields hold the ball forever, subjecting him to lots of different shots. And they did, they did a bad job of protecting Justin Fields. So if they feel Waldron can come in uh, and and fix the system in a way that allows Fields to succeed, I think that they, that they move forward with him. But everything you read seems to say that they love Caleb Williams. And if they do they love him, what are they doing with fields? Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of minutia here to break down when it comes to the fifth year option that he could have uh, attached to him, the Justin Fields, that is, if they pick that up, then whoever they might trade with, they are going to have to pick up that contract as well. Who would be tradable? Like who would want it? Pittsburgh. You said the athletics said that, trust me, they're not the only ones. Uh, Atlanta has reportedly been interested in Justin Fields. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they value him 
because you would be taking someone that maybe doesn't, they're not a top tier quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but we've seen what he can do. And then you would go to what a rookie and maybe they keep them both on the roster. I know they have so many different options. Chicago with that top pick, they could absolutely trade to number two if they wanted. And so let's say Washington wants to move up. I think it's Washington that has the number, the number two pick. If they want to move up to one, okay, they're still going to get a really good quarterback in this class. And maybe it's someone that's not as polished and they can say, we're going to have Justin Fields and this guy's going to learn. They have options. They have a lot of draft stock after the trades that they've made. Uh, It's going to be interesting. I don't see a team like the Steelers trading for Justin Fields based on the fact that I think Chicago is going to ask too much. And I don't think Pittsburgh's a team that's going to, they're not going to give up pick 20 this year. They're not going to give up a second round pick this year. So you would have to say, okay, maybe we'll trade a third this year and a third next year. I don't even know if that would be enough to get him. And if so, that contract is going to be something you're going to have to deal with because if he balls out and you want to sign him to a long-term deal, it's going to cost you a heck of a lot of money. Meanwhile, I don't know. Do you see them trading Justin Fields in your opinion? I think that, I think that that money scares them off. You can't be wrong on Justin Fields. If you trade for him, you can't be wrong because then what if, what if he just plays mediocre football? Right. And now you're like, well, we got to, we got to extend him for at least 20 some million, or we got to start over again and find another quarterback. What, what I, that just, that feels too much, like too much of a risk. Uh, I think Pittsburgh wants to, wants to figure out if what they've got in picket before they want to bring on somebody else's issue. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's go to our last topic here. The NFL is going to be having some Friday night lights this year. For the first time in over 50 years, the Eagles are going to quote-unquote host an unknown opponent in Brazil. Now, this is the first week of the season, so a lot of people might think, oh, but the travel and things like that, that's not going to be an issue because, well, it's the first game, it's week one. Uh, What do you think of the league's never-ending campaign to expand globally? I talked about this a little bit earlier, but I'm curious what your take is. Yeah. Brazil's going to be an awesome venue. Be, yeah. I, I remember the the two years ago when they played in Germany and the the German fans singing and that, that place was rocking. Tom Brady uh talked about it, you know, after Tampa came back from that game. What an amazing environment that was. I think Brazil will be incredible. Uh, it'll just be a big party in the stands. I don't know if the Brazilians know anything about NFL football. <laughs> you know, like, but you know, well, I don't know if that'll matter. So I think that'll be an awesome game to watch. Uh, the NFL, like we were saying earlier, they're doing a phenomenal job of, of marketing the brand globally. The only thing I worry about is, and, I, and it hasn't happened yet, it doesn't seem, there aren't any indicators that this, that this may happen anytime soon, but you do run the risk of too much of, you know, too much of a good thing becoming a problem, spreading yourself too thin. Now, now you're going to play on Friday night. Well, what if the ratings are really good? And now you start saying, hey, let's let's start playing on Friday nights. Well, now the NFL is going to be playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. At what point will fans just decide, yeah, you know, it's too much. You, you, obviously, you don't want it to become the NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, yeah. where there's just so many games that, uh, on all the time that, that they don't seem special anymore. I think what makes the NFL so appealing to people is that there's a limited window to watch NFL games and they are special as a result. So I, I just don't want to see them oversaturate the market. It's a great point. And I hate that it's going up against high school football too, because there's something special about your local high school football being played on Friday night. Most of the time there are the occasional Saturday games, but still I hate that. I will say this though, about the national football league, if they're going to continue this international push and they're not going to stop, 
They have to worry about the product, the quality of the product. It's time that they then say, if you're going to be traveling overseas or you're going to be traveling to any type of destination that's going to be outside the continental United States, you get a bye week afterwards. So maybe they extend the league year another week. They don't extend the season, but maybe every team gets two bye weeks and you're able to, that's the one thing that concerns me about all this stuff. You have Jacksonville will go over and play two games back to back overseas because they do that. And they typically have a, a contract over there in, in Europe and in the UK. But I think that if the NFL is smart and trust me, they do a lot of stupid crap for as smart as they are they would start to say, okay, if we're going to have more teams playing international games and with the 17 games schedule, you could absolutely have more teams doing this so that the home team that would typically have nine home games, actually one of those games is is a neutral site game. You got to take care of these players. You got to give them a bye week. You got to make sure that the product you're putting on the field overseas or internationally is a good product. You don't want players that are sloppy and the games aren't any good and they're boring and dull. If you want like think about the Tom Brady game that you mentioned, or think about this past season, the chiefs and dolphins over there. You want that to be a good game because you want the people that are watching it in this new market, getting this new audience. You want it to be exciting. You want it to be good. That's my only concern. And I would love to see them start to build in more breaks. They seem to just not give a crap about player health and they just want to just, Hey, they're fine. Just load it up, load it up, load it up. I think they have to, uh, they got to take care of that side of things. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agreed. I mean, from a from a human perspective, <laughs> the NFL has never exactly aced the test, and uh, and they uh, they obviously have have not suffered for that from a from a fan standpoint, from a marketing standpoint. But but they've you know they've had to pay some financial uh, penalties and and things along those lines, and uh, so I feel as though. You you have to believe that they're that they're aware that like hey we start traveling the globe we have to figure out how to allow the players to recover from that I I, right. I would hope that there's a voice of reason and from that perspective in the league offices I want to say that our own Dave Schofield has actually concocted a a plan that he said this would be so easy to implement where if you travel overseas you get the next week off and then you also have another built-in bye week and it's like. Yeah, they could do this. They could really push this international series, add in another bye week. When you play internationally, you get the week off afterwards to get your bodies back. I think it could work. I think it would be fun. I would. I don't mind it, but uh, it'll be interesting. All right, let's finish this up like we always do with the player profile. You want to talk about Chris Jones. I heard you make some strong statements about Chris Jones on your <laughs> call sheet podcast last week. So go ahead. Talk about Chris Jones of the Chiefs. Yeah, on the on the uh, on the call sheet podcast, I, I basically was arguing that I thought Chris Jones should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl, uh, while Mahomes did you know lead the big comeback and and inevitably threw the winning touchdown pass and wound up with over three hundred passing yards. Obviously, played really well. Uh, Kansas City was done without Chris Jones in that in that game. He made three game altering plays where if if he doesn't. Uh, get in Brock Purdy's face. Purdy sets his feet and either throws touchdown passes or or, or creates big plays that that probably let San Francisco win that football game. So I just thought Chris Jones's impact on that game was phenomenal. And now I think about, oh, where's Chris Jones right now? Boy, there's a guy kind of bet on himself last mm-hmm. last season, held out, m- missed. I believe it was the first eight games. Uh, played on kind of a, a one year year deal. Now he's set to hit the free agency market because of the deal that he arranged. I don't I don't understand all the nuances of it, but because of the deal that he arranged, if Kansas City franchise tags him, the normal going rate for his position would be 19 million. But 
his special circumstance means that they would have to pay him $32 million on the franchise tag. Jeez. So if they franchise tag him, he's getting $32 million. And if he hits the market at 29 years old with, with still a lot of gas left in his tank as one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL, he's going to hit it for a heck of a lot more than that. So Chris Jones, man, that's a dude who has put himself in uh, a really, really envious position right now. I love that you brought up how he bet on himself because there were some people that were really down on him when he was holding out early on in the season saying he was selfish. And I get, I got the vitriol from fans saying, well, what's a contract if you're not going to abide by it? Like, well, what are we doing? You aren't happy with where you are now, but you signed that contract. You knew what was going to happen in year 2023. So get out, get your butt out there and honor your contract. I get that side of it, but he gambled on himself. The chiefs eventually caved. We all knew they would. And he's set to make out with some big time money one way or the other. And so yes, that'll indeed. be interesting. Yep. And he, he did play well enough to probably earn the MVP. Now that you mention it, it's just that his, and his play, like you said, in overtime did equate in the win just in a roundabout way. It wasn't the direct throw to Nicole Hardman. Right. And obviously, you know, the nuance of, of, of his contributions get lost. They don't show up on the stat sheet. They're not, they're not as easy to qualify and you know, we and I talked about this before. The NFL, the odds of the NFL naming a defensive lineman the NFL the MVP when they when they could easily have given it to Mahomes are just yeah. slim to none. Yeah, they were hoping for Kelsey, but had to go to Mahomes. Which oh is my god, <laughs> were they hoping for Kelsey? <laughs> All right, Coach, why don't you tell us what's coming up on the call sheet? Yeah, we're going to do our first show, really our first true off season show, where where we take an early look at the free agent market, who are going to be the, the big names in free agency. Um, and, you know, we're going to also talk a little bit about what is, what does like that entail for uh, an organization right now, more so than just like, Oh, who are, who are the big names in free agency? Uh, what does it entail as far as scouting players are concerned, uh, evaluating your own personnel? What are, what are the organizations doing behind the scenes right now in order to get ready for free agency? I love it. That's going to be a good one. Make sure you check that out on our FFSN NFL podcast feed. If you want to hear our Pittsburgh Steelers coverage, you can go to Steel Curtain Network, wherever you get your podcasts, or steelcurtainnetwork.com. Check us out there. Uh, Coach, again, thanks for your time. We'll talk next week. Take it easy. Yes, sir.